When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Kate, bringing you a week of episodes on perimenopause I call Perimenopause Apalooza. Now, if you're a man or a person with no uterus or ovaries in sight, these episodes are for you too, because the women in your life who are in their 40s, and even some of them in their late 30s and early 50s, are dealing with some truly epic changes to their body that is affecting them in all kinds of ways that they likely don't even realize. I hope these episodes help raise awareness and understanding about something half the population goes through. Like everything else in life, it doesn't last forever. But man, it can sure feel like it when you're in the middle of it. I hope these episodes help. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to Be a Better Person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about a subject that every woman on earth goes through and that we don't talk about enough. That's right. Uh, We are talking perimenopause and menopause this week here on How to Be a Better Person, because those fluctuating hormones can, at times, make you feel like stalking the streets with a flamethrower, or maybe like you don't recognize yourself anymore. Today, I'm talking with Jolinda Johnson about the many symptoms of perimenopause, many of which I think might surprise you as well as easy but powerful things you can do for yourself that mitigate those symptoms. Jolinda is an award-winning health coach who specializes in helping women address burnout and perimenopause, two things that I'm thinking go hand-in-hand, although I'll ask her more about that directly in just a minute. I found Jolinda on Instagram, where she is offering up great content that educates and inspires about this seminal, and sometimes maddening time in a woman's life. And may I just say that if you identify as a man and are thinking that this episode has nothing to offer you, stick around because any woman in your life, be it your spouse, partner, friend, daughter, sister, cousin, colleague, or boss, needs people around her who have at least some idea of what she's going through. Let's get everyone awakened to the realities of midlife womanhood so it doesn't have to be this strange secret where women have to just suffer in silence anymore. Jolinda, thanks for being here. It's so great to have you. Great to be here, Kate. Thank you. All right, so let's dive right in. Can you share some of the perimenopause symptoms that many women start to experience when their hormones start fluctuating? Well, I think it's important to remember that perimenopause actually happens over the course of 10 to even 15 years, and it happens in phases. So the first one is very early perimenopause, and that's where your 
periods, your menstrual cycles are uh, still regular, but shorter. And then early perimenopause transition, which is two to three years, and that's where estrogen really starts fluctuating and uh, as well as surging. And then you have uh, late perimenopause transition, which is around four years, and that's when estrogen finally starts its descent. And late perimenopause, which is that final year between, well, actually just your, your last period, but counting 12 months from that because we do not officially know that we have arrived at menopause until that final period and 12 months past that. So menopause is something that we only know in hindsight. Perimenopause is that 10 to 15 year transition where yes, your hormones are definitely going through a lot of changes and not just estrogen. Estrogen gets a lot of attention, but the first hormone to actually start going down is progesterone. And that can happen at 35 as progesterone naturally begins to decline. But uh, most people don't start noticing symptoms until around 40. And You also have insulin, a really important hormone that doesn't get a lot of attention, but our um, chances of becoming insulin resistant go way up during perimenopause. And also cortisol and thyroid and testosterone. Those are another three hormones that don't get as much attention as uh, estrogen, but are definitely in play during this time. Oh, man, 10 to 15 years. That is... (laughs) That is such a long time. I mean, <laughs> I didn't yes. really think of it that way. But, you know, I, I celebrated my one year anniversary during the pandemic, which don't try this at home, people. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, looking back, I, my, my cycle started to get a little bit bizarre, you know, about seven or eight years ago. It's just such a potent mix. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned all those other hormones, because I think that when you know all the players, you start to understand why this like seemingly random grab bag of symptoms might be happening. Can you talk about some of the things that do occur? So both the ones that we know about and the ones that might be more of an aha moment for us? Yes, absolutely. I think the one that most people will be familiar with are hot flushes, or um, as we say in in the States, hot flashes. But that actually typically doesn't happen until the later phase of perimenopause. Some of the symptoms that are associated with declining progesterone, which you, again, can see in your late 30s, mood and sleep disturbances, increased symptoms of PMS, reduced ability to cope with stress. Um, You might also notice a huge uptick in migraines, Mm. heavier periods. And then when estrogen starts to fluctuate, you'll notice that your periods are suddenly a lot more painful. And if not painful, then definitely heavier. Um, and perhaps experiencing clotting for the first time. You're bleeding a lot more frequently. So this is where we'll see a cycle that's 19 days instead of 26, for example, you know, a different a difference in seven days, more or less. So you might have one that's 19 and then 35, and then you go to 21. And you're just kind of like, what's happened to this regular cycle that I used to know that I could plan my month by? Right. And you'll also notice bloating is on the rise because progesterone, um, which I just mentioned is going down, progesterone is a natural diuretic. So without that balancing out estrogen, you'll be retaining more water, constipation as well. And then 
as you begin to lose estrogen, eventually, you know, after going through these, the surge and the fluctuations, you'll start to lose estrogen and experience things like hot flushes, sleep issues become more of a thing because you're most likely experiencing night sweats as well. But during the later phases of perimenopause, we also don't tend to get into the deeper phases of sleep either. So you might find that you can wake up a lot more easily or that your your dreams are much more vivid because you're not dropping down into those deeper phases of sleep. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, since estrogen is the hormone that keeps us juicy, and I, I should say estradiol, because that's the form that we're talking about, we'll, no- we'll notice things like vaginal dryness, body aches, and a lot of symptoms, um, you know, in terms of the pelvic floor, prolapse, greater tendency to have UTIs, and then that can continue after menopause as well. It's actually called um, genital urinary symptoms of menopause, a lot of changes in the pelvic floor happening. So yes, really important to support your body and your mind during this time. And speaking of the mind, those who have gone through perimenopause or, or, or who are in it probably know that your mind is going through lots of changes right now. Um, higher incidence of depression, anxiety, memory issues, brain fog. You know, you can often feel like you have really lost your edge and um, that tends to settle down after menopause. But during that time when estrogen's fluctuating, it can be really frustrating and, and to feel like you don't have the memory that you used to or or the word that you want to say just is at the tip of your tongue and you can't find it. Um, these are really typical things that a lot of people don't even associate with perimenopause, but they're they're experiencing them every day. Oh, I can attest. (laughs) Amen. I mean, it's quite a party, isn't it? All those things that you just listed. It's like, really, evolution? (laughs) Well, Um, the crazy thing is that, you know, obviously, based on all the things that I just listed, this sounds like a really critical time in a person's life. And and I do want, when I talk about perimenopause, I do say person because um, intersex people, trans men, and non-binary people Mm-hmm. Um, who don't identify as women also experience perimenopause. Great point. So I think that's also important to to keep in mind. But it's crazy to me that so many changes happen in this at this point in a person's life, and we know so little about it. Um, and so few doctors actually specialize in menopause as well. Um, I think I saw something the other day that said there were 1,200 OBGYNs registered as specialized in menopause in the United States. And I'm thinking that's a very small number considering how many millions of people are going through perimenopause. Mm. Once you know about it, it can, it can really make you scratch your head and think, why is it this way? Why don't we have these conversations about it? Why is it still considered a taboo topic, which I, I really um, want to, to change yes, for sure. Let's change that. I know it was my conversations with my with my girlfriends that got me through. So hearing mm. about this stuff from other people and just sharing your experience is so, so powerful. <laughs> Hi, doggy. You've got a dog in the background <laughs> and I've got, um, it sounds like somebody's running their leaf blower. So listeners, thanks for, or welcome to the real world. <laughs> just quickly, before we have to take a quick break for our sponsors, I you cover perimenopause and burnout. And I know that when I was going through my transition, I felt as burned out as I ever have. And I'm thinking that there's a link between the two. 
Can you talk about that? Yes. Well, one thing that uh, a lot of people don't know is that we are going from producing one form of estrogen known as estradiol in the ovaries to another form known as estrone in the adrenal glands. And so the adrenal glands are what produce the major stress hormone cortisol. And when we are going through times of chronic stress, our body really relies on the adrenals as well as the thyroid to get us through. And these are also the things that when we are in this uh, hormonal storm of perimenopause, if the, if the adrenals are already, I don't want to say exhausted because it's, it's, it's more mm-hmm. of just, you know, after years of chronic stress, they, they just don't have Struggling. a break. So, yeah. you know, everything is, is being mobilized to produce more cortisol and shunted from other areas, you know, like the, the sex hormones, for example. And with the thyroid, you know, the adrenals and the thyroid support each other. So if your thyroid is already on the brink from years of chronic stress, then when you go into perimenopause, a lot of times that's when people will be diagnosed with um, hypothyroidism um, because the stress of all of the hormonal changes that, that we undergo during perimenopause just kind of push it over the edge. And so it's really important to look at chronic stress and the role that stress is playing in your life and how you can better manage it because stress in the 21st century is inevitable, but we do have ways that we can get out of the stress response, you know, through meditation, mindfulness, deep breathing, yoga, if that's your thing, it doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. but I, I go to strength training, that's, that's my go-to connecting with the body, bringing the body back into the conversation, because so many of us are constantly working from this space in our head, you know, and and trying to approach stress and stressors through our thinking mind. And that's not how you actually get rid of stress. It's you have to involve the body and finding those pockets in your day to have that kind of, you know, reset. So that it's not just something that you do on vacation, for example, but it's literally the five minutes that you devote to deep breathing or the 10 minutes after lunch that you put everything on airplane and and meditate or the 30 minute walk that you take in the morning or after work to connect with nature and disconnect from the day. And also, of course, nourishment, because we can support ourselves through perimenopause, but also, you know, when we're not nourishing ourselves and we are consuming all the inflammatory foods, that itself is a a, a source of stress for the body. Right. I want to dive more into the self-care strategies, but I have to take a pause for our sponsor. So we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. So Jolinda, you were just starting to go into the many wonderful, nourishing and powerful things that we can do for ourselves to support ourselves through stress, but also specifically through stress that we experience during perimenopause. And I want to keep going. So tell us some more stuff. How can we start to take care of ourselves in a way that's really tailored to where we are in our lives when we're going through the perimenopause season? Yes. So stress management is a big one. And uh, I just mentioned some of the things that we can do to, to help manage our stress. But um, so is um, nourishing our, ourselves, you know, and um, when we 
consume the highly inflammatory foods like the sugar and alcohol and gluten, we're actually going to experience more severe symptoms of perimenopause. And one of the things that we have to remember is that our sensitivity to insulin is going down. And so we're not as able to process sugar and refined carbs like we used to. And so I don't want to villainize any foods, but just know that, you know, if you're relying on sugar and having it every day, then you're more likely to experience more severe hot flushes, for example, more brain fog, and also the the weight gain around your middle that can be suggestive of insulin resistance later on. So <laughs> I call that want I call that the thickening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like if well, there were, and, you know, again, <laughs> well, if there were a movie, not, a movie about perimenopause, yeah. <laughs> I think it should be called The Thickening. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we also have to accept that our bodies are going to change. You know, it's not about maintaining the the same body because this is a transition and, you know, more, the, more ways than one. But it's mm-hmm. also helpful to know that there are things that will accelerate certain changes and things that will slow them down. I like to always focus on the food that I can add in and that can feel enjoyable. So in terms of your hormones, the combination um, that's like the magic combination at all meals and snacks is protein, fat, and fiber. Um, Protein from sources like chicken, turkey, wild-caught fish. Wild-caught fish is great because you also get omega-3s, which are highly beneficial during this time because of the anti-inflammatory effect. And, you know, omega-3s are beneficial for our brain cells, but also heart, our heart cells, which our hearts are more uh, vulnerable after menopause as well. So we need to take care of those. Foods that are high in phytoestrogens, um, because when we are running high on estrogen, phytoestrogens can help they have an anti-estrogenic effect. And when we're running low, then they have a pro-estrogenic effect. So they're great for balancing. And that's things like, you know, flax seeds and soy and legumes, even peanut butter (laughs) is high in phytoestrogen. So if you're you're craving peanut butter, go go ahead and dig in um, to that as well as a source of healthy fats. Cruciferous vegetables are also great because they help to metabolize all of that excess estrogen and also give our liver support. And our, you know, all of our hormones are metabolized through the liver. So it's great to give our liver some love throughout this, this time. We also want to think about, you know, as you mentioned, you know, your body changes, your brain changes. And so self-compassion is key Mm -hmm. (laughs) because this is going to be a time where, you know, I don't think it's talked uh, enough about, but you you will be grieving certain things. Mm-hmm. You won't be the same person that you were when you started perimenopause as you are when you finish it. And there will be moments where you have to come face to face with just those heavier emotions of um, sadness and anger. And if we are not up for radical self-acceptance and treating ourselves with self-compassion, being our own best ally and friend throughout this process, then it's going to be even that more difficult because, you know, self-compassion helps us to remember that it's not just us going through these things. And the more we talk about it in conversations like these, the more you can realize, 
okay, yeah, this isn't just me going through it. Everyone going through perimenopause experiences these things. How can I, how can I be kind to myself in this moment? How can I be kind to myself in this moment? Um, what can I do that will feel nice, you know, as opposed to just challenging it all, every step of the way and making things more difficult? And also boundaries, because anytime we're going through a transition, we need more time to ourselves. <laughs> right. Well, it was the pandemic. So again, it was extenuating circumstances, but I have just never so acutely felt the need for alone time <laughs> as I have in the last, yes. you know. Yes in that year of transition, especially just, it was like, yeah. I don't know, it was like sunshine. It was essential. It was like oxygen. I just, I needed it and I needed it in large amounts. Absolutely. Yeah. If you don't have those boundaries in place, um, you know, boundaries of not just physical space, but boundaries of time, also boundaries of purpose, um, which don't get talked about very much, but you know, when you have a purpose that you want to fulfill and you don't feel like you have to justify it. You can say like, this is, I'm changing. I'm leaving this behind and I'm going to pursue something new. This is what I'm currently passionate about. You know, that can be really freeing as well. And, and the hormonal veil is being lifted. So you might look around and see your life quite differently than you did 10 years ago and want to pursue different passions or use all of that anger and rage that you feel simmering <laughs> to get more involved in community projects or activism, or how can I use this to change things? How can I connect with other people who see things in the same way that I do? So yeah, there are, um, the bottom line is that, and we didn't even get into you know things like uh, pelvic support and sex drive, but the bottom <laughs> line is that you know, you are going to to need some extra time and space to really embrace your new self. And I think that until you are actually in it and go through it, you don't even realize how it's going to affect you. But that's where the self-compassion comes in. It's that no matter what, I'm still going to be here for myself, not as my judge, but as my best friend. Mm. Jolinda, you are an incredible font of information. And I just absolutely love that you're also talking about the boundaries and the self-compassion and the self-forgiveness and the wisdom <laughs> making sense is making space for the wisdom that's trying to emerge, which I think is about a lot about this transition too. So thank you absolutely. for bringing all that to this <laughs> conversation today and to the work that you do. I as a target <laughs> audience member of the things that you talk about. I just want to thank you for that. And for listeners who want to connect with you so that you could learn more from Jolinda. Clearly, she has so much to share and so much helpful and crucial information. Where can people co find you? You can find me on my website, jolindajohnson.com. And actually, by the time this podcast airs, I'll have a free five-part uh, video series mm -hmm. all about perimenopause, perimenopause 101, with information about what's happening in the transition, how you can support yourself through nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset, and also when to talk to your doctor and how to breach uh, some of those conversations. And um, I'm also very active on Instagram, as you mentioned at the start. So you can find me at Coach Jolinda and on Facebook at Coach Jolinda, but I'm much more active on Instagram. So I would love for any of your listeners who 
feel called to let me know that they've listened and and send me a DM, I'd be happy to, to chat. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Kate. It's been a pleasure. Hey there, it's Kate with a quick, tiny assignment, which is to think about which symptom is disturbing you the most or disrupting your grooviness the most. And then think about what self-care practice you can commit to, however imperfectly, however even sporadically, to help you out with that symptom. For example, I love to meditate. I probably meditate two to three times a week. And hey, I think that's great. But if I thought that I needed to have a daily meditation practice or even a twice daily meditation practice, I wouldn't do it at all. So if you have to do something a little less than you think maybe you should, but you can still do it, I say go for it. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 